Hey, what's going on there? Jason Bay here. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. And this is a podcast for sales reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but might be dealing with some call reluctance. And they hate the fact that, hey, picking up the phone is maybe a little bit harder than it should be, or you might take rejection. You know, really personally, it might kind of bum you out a little bit, or you might be running a team. You know, if people uh, were call reluctance is a really big challenge. So if that's you and you deal with that, you're definitely in the right place. So today, this is part of a skills series that we're doing. And today we're talking about cold calling. So how to go from reluctant to confident. So when I work with sales teams and reps, oftentimes what I hear is a few things in terms of uh, things that make them reluctant to call. And by the way, I'm not saying that the goal here is not that you love to make cold calls. Like I don't love making cold calls, um, but I'm good at them and they're effective and they work. And the call reluctance doesn't keep me from making uh, those calls and being confident in those calls and getting meetings. So when we talk about from reluctant to confident, it uh, doesn't mean doesn't imply that you have to love you know cold calling. That's not necessarily the goal. No different than like working out. I hate working out. I do it anyways. Um, it's something that I, I, I just, you know, Hey, I don't really think about, uh, is this something I should or shouldn't do? It's more about like, how can I accept the fact that this is something I need to do and how can I be effective and efficient with it? So let's talk about cold calling. Let's kind of dig in. I mean, one of the things that's, that I hear a lot in terms of things that uh, make people reluctant to make calls is a few things. So one, there is this, Hey, the person I'm reaching out to seems very senior, and it's kind of nerve wracking calling someone that might have like literally 10, 20, 30 more years of like career experience than I do. There might be this, um, I don't know if you've ever felt like this before, but like when you were a little kid and you wanted to hang out with the adults, but you didn't feel like you were mature enough or be cool enough to like be a part of the adult conversations. I remember that when I was a kid. So there's also this of, you know, like, hey, like what value could we possibly bring to this person? Like you're not really seeing the connection of like your product or service that you're selling and it actually providing value and like looking at yourself as a resource. And there's also like, hey, this person might be a jerk to me and I might get rejected, right? So you might have like some really light, um, like maybe trauma um, in this area of like, hey, people have rejected me before and I didn't feel very good and kind of hurt my feelings. Which by the way, if that happens to you, that's that's totally, like totally fine, totally normal. Like you're not a weirdo for, you know, taking rejection personally. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. So there's kind of three parts to this episode today. One, I'm going to talk about how you can minimize call reluctance. Uh, two, I want to give you some structures around how you can like pattern interrupt and make it permission based. And then three, we're going to talk about how to do this with an assistant. Some people call them gatekeepers. I like calling them assistants. Um, we're going to talk about voicemail. And then we're also going to talk about like your target contacts as a decision maker. If you get them on the phone, what the structure should be. So let's kind of dig in. So when we look at call reluctance, um, we have a framework that I call the call reluctance minimizer. And the goal is not to eliminate call reluctance. I don't know if you can actually eliminate all of your call reluctance. I think what you can do is like minimize it uh, to the point to where it doesn't affect you like wanting to pick up the phone or not. So there's a four part process for this. So this is kind of an old well, it's not old. It's been around for a long time, been updated many times since then. It's it's based on a framework that 
uh, called deconditioning. And it's something that a lot of people do to actually uh, help overcome, you know, like addiction or trauma or any other like really bad habits in their life. So there's kind of four parts. So if you visualize a quadrant on the upper left of the quadrant, the first step is identify. So it's identifying the pattern. So I'm going to use a silly example with you first, and then we'll relate that to cold calling. So the pattern might be, um, I eat too much junk food, right? The pattern's usually pretty easy to identify, right? So if we go to the next quadrant in the upper right, the second part to this is pinpoint. So it's identify and then pinpoint. And what you want to do is pinpoint the trigger. So pinpointing the trigger would be something like this. Um, and you want to get super, super laser specific. So the pattern is I eat too much junk food, pinpoint the trigger. I don't have any ready-made, you know, food that's healthy or anything in my pantry. So when I'm hungry and I go to open up the kitchen, uh, open up the refrigerator, excuse me, I don't see anything in there that I can easily make and I'm super hungry. So I go to the pantry and one of the first things I see there is, you know, the chips or the chocolate or the candy or whatever it might be. And I eat it. <laughs> right. So the trigger is I feel hungry. It's been a long day. I don't have any food that's like healthy. That's like available to like heat up quickly. So I go immediately to the pantry and grab the junk food. So that's like pinpointing the trigger. Now, number three in this quadrant, so you kind of look at this as like a, uh, a cycle as well. So number three would be in the bottom right part of the quadrant. This is where you want to derail. So derail and replace that habit. So what we want to do is try to do something like completely differently to derail this habit so that this doesn't become something that we even have to think about. So in this case, like a really simple thing that you can do um, to derail the habit is like, hey, if the reason why I'm reaching for this stuff is because I'm really, really hungry, you know, what if I had something else throughout the day where I have like food that's like ready to eat and I eat it before I get super hungry, right? So maybe I include and like work in my calendar, like a five minute, 10 minute, like snack session at like three or four o'clock. So when the workday ends at five or six, I'm not hungry at that time. That's something that you could do. Um, you could also, um, you know, derail this habit by not having any junk food, um, in your house. You could also derail this habit by doing food prep or, Hey, maybe anytime you cook dinner, you leave enough, um, for the next day, you know, so that you have something that's like ready to heat up. Maybe you keep healthy, uh, you know, pre-cooked food in the freezer so that if you're having one of these moments, like these weak moments, you have something that you can easily heat up in three to five minutes. So you're going to derail that habit and replace it. And the fourth part, so this is the bottom left part of the quadrant, is practice and reward. So this is the part that requires you to like do it, right, to make it a habit. So how does this relate to call reluctance? Well, I wanted to give you kind of a silly example because um, I think it was Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar said this, you know, business problems are really personal problems in disguise. So if you have call reluctance, there's a high likelihood there's probably other habits in your personal life where this same kind of thing is being affected. So that's why I like to use personal examples because they often re relate and connect to, to the professional ones. So if we identify the pattern, um, so call reluctance, right? When I go to call on, on a, a VP or C-level executive, um, I get really nervous. So I end up either not making the cold call at all or just calling someone like lower, like a manager, let's say. Nothing against managers, by the way, but those are not typically the decision makers in a sales process. So two, if we look at pinpointing the trigger, 
This usually has to do with the internal dialogue that you tell yourself. So the internal dialogue could be usually something about you and it's those things that I mentioned earlier, why would I reach out to this person when they're like 20 years my senior? Like what what value could I possibly provide? Um, or hey, if I reach out to this person, they look really busy. Obviously, I'm going to be bugging them and I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel salesy. So to derail and replace this, like what if you just did the exact opposite? So what if instead of making it about you and how you feel about it, what if you made it about the prospect? And instead of like, hey, I could be bothering this person, if you flip it around and say, hey, I wonder what this person is working on right now that they might need help with. I wonder what problems they're having related to our solution. I'm wondering if there's something I might be able to share with them that could really help them. So if you kind of flip this around, you can completely derail this habit by telling yourself a different story. So when you go to research that next prospect, that VPRC level, it's, Hey, I can tell they're growing a lot right now. They're hiring people. And it looks like they're hiring a lot of salespeople. I wonder what like problems they foresee themselves having over the next couple months as they ramp up their sales team, especially when it comes to prospecting. I imagine that they probably want to get people onboarded as quickly as possible. And I'm wondering if I might be able to help with that. Let me give so-and-so a call. That's a completely different internal uh, narrative to tell yourself. Right, So flip it around. Instead of making it about you and how you feel about it, let's make it about the prospect. Let's make it about what they're doing. So this is a way that you can like really look at call reluctance and look at it kind of like in a silly way almost. So I'll give you one more technique. This is called diffusion, and it would actually help um, this derailing, this internal dialogue that you tell yourself. So diffusion is a part of a form of therapy called ACT. And this is acceptance commitment therapy. So essentially the concept here is that like if you look at two boxes, so if those boxes were touching in one box, what you would have is your feelings and your emotions. And then in the next box, you would have reality. So a lot of times what we feel we perceive as our reality. So if we use this narrative again of, hey, I'm probably going to be bugging the person. Your feeling of like, hey, I'm, I'm salesy, I might be bugging this person, like um, that is not necessarily the reality of the situation because you don't know this other person. Like you don't know if you would be bugging them or not, right? So the reality and, the, and the, the emotion that you feel, those are connected. What you can do is if you diffuse them and think of them as two separate things, like, hey, I'm allowed to feel this feeling. But that doesn't mean that that's the reality of the situation, because the reality of the situation is that most of the people you reach out to are actually do need help. Right. And they do have problems now, whether they're willing to let you help them with it is a whole nother story. But um, you're not wasting the person's time if you're trying to reach out and you have something that might help them. Like, that's just not a waste of a person's time. So if you look at those two things separately, the hey, the way I feel, I accept this and that's okay. But that's not connected to the reality of the situation. Those are two totally different things. One technique I use is like where you can, and this is, again, this is part of acceptance commitment therapy, is I give it like a voice and a character. So when I have that imposter syndrome or that reluctance that kicks in, I give it like that's my Borat character. <laughs> so like I literally imagine Borat and like him talking to me and be like, oh, that that is that thing that is making you very reluctant. <laughs> you know, like I literally talk in that voice and it like makes me chuckle. A little bit. 
So if you have like a cartoon character or like some sort of character or name that you can give like the call reluctance monster or whatever you want to call it, it'll help you kind of diffuse and separate how you feel about it, the emotions from the reality. So that's call reluctance. So I know we spent quite a bit of time on that, but this is something that almost every sales rep that I talk to experiences in one point or another. It might not keep them from making calls, but it doesn't keep, you know, keeps them from going in with like a good mindset, you know, into the calls. Okay. So let's talk about assistance. So I want to give you a framework for how you can now cold call assistance. And the reason why I start with assistance is that oftentimes, you know, if you don't have a direct dial or a mobile phone, usually you're going to need to interact with these people. So I look at it in two parts. So there's an intro part and then there's a gathering insider info part that I call it. So in the intro part, when the assistant picks up the phone, what we need, can do is, is one of two things. So you can do the assumptive ask. So this is one that I like a lot is, and the tonality is really important. So I can just say, uh, hey, this is Jason. I was calling to talk to Bob. And you're just super assumptive like that. Yeah, and oftentimes people will just send you right through if you do that correctly. So hey, this is Jason. I was calling to talk to Bob. Or, hey, I was calling, if it's a big company, I was calling to talk to, uh, you know, I don't know why I thought of Bob Dole. Bob Dole, <laughs> right? So you can go in with the assumptive ask. The other way that you can do it is, you know, let's say that you've done that a couple of times and that you keep getting the person's voicemail. So you can also do what I call remove the surprise and be like really open with like who you are and what you want. Um, hey, so-and-so. Uh, yeah, this is Jason. I'm with Blissful Prospecting and I was calling to actually talk to Bob because it looks like you guys are doing a bunch of hiring right now. And one of the ways that, you know, we help is by, you know, providing systems and training and things like that so that the people you're hiring can get ramped up faster. And I thought that you would know better than I, but, you know, is, is Bob like the right person to talk to? You think he could help me out? So I'm going to ask for help. That's what sort of connects step one and step two, the intro to the insider info. So like, I need to make a very clear ask, like, hey, is that something you could help out with? Or, hey, could I get your help with that? So then I can, on the insider info part, I can look at, hey, am I talking to the right person? So I can ask, like, who might also care about this? Hey, and I thought you'd know better than I, you know, is there anyone else that might care about, you know, how quickly, like, new reps are getting on board? It looks like this is a big part of, like, your guys' focus right now. Is there anyone else you know that might, like, really care about that? We can also verify contact information. So is this the right phone or email? So one of the things you can do is like, you know, verify that you have the right phone number or email or get the phone number or email. You can also verify right timing. If this is something that they're even thinking about right now, which like a person's executive assistant would likely have a lot of intel there. So we really just need to make sure to ask for help. So make a clear ask. And think about what info could this person help me with? Uh, another thing that you can do is what I call the courtesy call technique. Uh, a guy, Jordan Greek, shared this in one of our prospecting boot camps, actually. So the courtesy call technique, the situation you would use this in is if you're having trouble getting a hold of someone. So that might sound like this. Um, hey, you know, this might be a, a super weird ask because you know, I'm sort of calling you randomly. You don't know who I am. But my, name, my name's Jason Bay. I'm with Blissful Prospecting. And I've been trying to get a hold of Bob because it looks like you guys are doing a bunch of hiring right now. And one of the ways that we help is by you know, helping get reps onboarded faster so you guys can hit your you know, revenue targets. And I was putting in a courtesy call to Bob because it looks like he's opened a bunch of emails that I've sent him, but I just had a heck of a time getting a hold of him. Is that something you might be able to help out with? 
right? So I'm putting in a courtesy call. So-and-so has opened up a bunch of emails that I've sent them. I was calling to see if they didn't have any questions. That's something you could be able to help out with, right? So asking for help, making a clear ask is super important there. That's assistance. We're going to keep moving. So let's talk about voicemail. So this is kind of the next common thing that you're, you're going to get usually is a person's voicemail. And what do you leave in that voicemail? So there's kind of two approaches to the voicemail. So I like to do this as part of, you know, if you caught the sequencing episode I did, I would definitely check that out. If you haven't, it's called KISS, Keep It Simple uh, Sequencing. What I talk in there is about doing triple touches. So the very first time you get a hold of someone, like you want to call and leave a voicemail, then email, and then hit them up on LinkedIn with a connection request. So you want to point that voicemail to the email. You could do this in two ways. So one is like the super vague approach. So you can call someone. Let's say I'm I'm calling uh, Deborah. Uh, so like, hey, Deborah, uh, I'm about to send you an email right now with the subject line, hey, Deborah, just left a voicemail. There's some stuff I thought that you might find pretty interesting in there. Um, I'll talk to you soon. This is Jason. That's it. Like super, super vague. And you want them to look at the email. The next way you can do this is more reply method style email. So if you didn't catch the reply method episode, that was the one previous to this where it talks about messaging structure. So you can apply that same messaging structure to your voicemails. So what I would do is kind of put in a mix between these short, vague voicemails and ones that are a little bit more personalized. So I might say, um, hey, Jason, uh, was on your LinkedIn, saw the recent post about cold calling. And one thing that really stuck out to me uh, was this. And I'm reaching out because one of the big problems that we oftentimes see with sales leaders is they have a team of people that oftentimes deals with call reluctance and they don't pick up the phone as much as they would like. And one of the ways we're helping is by teaching them about call reluctance and helping them overcome it and giving them really cool frameworks for how to make effective cold calls so they can land more meetings. I'm about to send you an email with more details. It's going to be, the subject line is going to be, hey, Jason, just left a voicemail. My name's so-and-so with so-and-so company. Talk to you later. So you're going to do that personalization, empathy, relevant results in the email. And the call to action, again, is going to be to check out the voicemail. That's it with voicemail. Pretty straightforward. Lastly, now how do we call target contacts? So how do we call and cold call people that like, hey, these are decision makers. These are the people that we really want to talk to. So there's three parts to this call. There's an intro hook and close. So in the intro, there's a couple of elements here that are super, super important. One is removing the surprise. So you always introduce yourself and your company at the top. Um, so, hey, hey, Bob, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Like always remove the surprise, name and company name. The second part to this is you're going to use a permission-based opener. Just lots of different variations of the permission-based opener. I'll give you a few. But essentially what you want to do is empathize with the person You want to make an ask for time, and then you want to have a permission-based element to it. So that might sound something like this. Um, Hey, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Look, I know I probably caught you in the middle of something, but I was wanting to know if you had about 30 seconds, I could tell you why I'm calling, and then you could let me know if you want to keep chatting. So the empathize, hey, I know I probably caught you in the middle of something. The time, 30 seconds, the permission, that was that last part. And uh, I was wondering if you had 30 seconds to, for me to tell you why I'm calling. And then you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. So Sandler training kind of came up and popularized these like upfront contracts, right? This is kind of a variation of that. So you can use all kinds of different variations of permission-based openers. 
Um, so like, think about what the person is thinking on their end. Hey, I know I'm calling you in the morning here and you probably got a lot of meetings planned the rest of the day. So I'll make this quick. Do you have a minute? I could tell you why I'm calling. And then you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. So nine out of 10 times in my experience, the person will say, yeah, go ahead. So the next part of your intro is like this reply method style, like intro. So that's like your personalization, empathy, relevant results. So, um, Hey, the reason I was calling is I noticed that you guys are doing a lot of hiring right now. You're obviously the VP of sales and it looks like you guys are, are really growing. And one of the th things that I hear from a lot of VPs of sales is, Hey, for the people that we're hiring, how do we get them onboarded quickly? And how do we help them really kind of overcome the call reluctance, like get them picking up the phones, get comfortable and scheduling meetings. And one of the ways we're helping with that is a few frameworks uh, that we're teaching. And I had something that I wanted to share with you around cold calling and how we're helping people. But do you have you know a minute? I can ask you two or three questions to see if this might be relevant for you. So I'm using that reply method structure. And the thing that connects this intro part of the call to the hook is I did another permission-based ask. Hey, do you have you know like a minute I can ask you two or three questions to see if this is relevant for you? And you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. And then I go into the questions. So with the questions, this is where I can think about like, not how do I qualify the prospect, but like how do I kind of get them talking about like any pain points or like problems or anything else like that that they might have. So the first thing I like to ask is a question that's like super easy to answer. So I might ask something related to tools they're using, uh, their headcount, like the function of the people. So like oftentimes I want to know this. Um, hey, I noticed you guys have a mix of like, you know, BDRs and AEs. Uh, I'm really curious, like are BDRs doing all the cold calling? Do you have some AEs doing the cold calling? How, how does that work at your company? So I'm going to ask a really easy to answer question like that. Um, I also might ask like, um, Hey, I, I imagine you guys are probably sending out cold emails and things like that. Um, like with cold calling, like what, what part does that play in your strategy typically of like landing new accounts? So another thing I can do too, is like build in problems into those questions. Um, Hey, when I talk to VPs of sales and ask them like, Hey, is there, if there was one thing that you'd like your team to do more they would have really great results on your ability to get new accounts. What they always say is like they want their team calling more and like the number one thing getting in the way of that is call reluctance. I'm curious, what is the one thing for you that you feel like if your team did better, you guys would be able to hit your appointment targets? So there's like the one thing question. So come up with some questions there where you can get the prospect talking about their problems. Then what you're going to do is just summarize it back to them. So the part that connects the hook and the close is you summarize that call back to them. So you take what they said and the challenges that they shared and you say something like this. Hey, so what I heard uh, so-and-so is that uh, one of the things that you're dealing with right now is you are doing a lot of hiring. You're trying to get ramped up as quickly as possible. And call reluctance is something that your team deals with. Um, so cold calling, you would like to be a bigger part of the strategy, but helping your team by giving them some frameworks um, to get them to want to pick up the phone is something that's really top of mind for you. So in this close, I want to get agreement. So I can say something like, hey, did I miss anything? Did I get that right? And they'd be like, yeah. So the second part to the close is I want to schedule time. Um, well, hey, this is definitely something that I'd love to like unpack with you a little bit more. Do you have your calendar handy? So then we can schedule some time. And then we want to do what I call a triple confirmation. So the first part of the confirmation is I want to confirm time. And I want to like send them a calendar invite and get them to accept the calendar invite on the call. Hey, so I'm about to send you a calendar invite. 
And um, do you have your email handy? I'd, I'd love for you, as soon as you see that, to just kind of accept it. That way I know I got the right email address and that we, that we got you on the calendar. Is that, is that cool? Is that something you could do real quick? Awesome. And then I want to confirm the agenda. So again, hey, what we'll talk about is this call reluctance thing that you're dealing with and like getting reps ramped up quickly. And, and I can share a little bit more about how we're helping companies like yours with that and just give you some ideas and things that your team can do. Uh, the last thing real quick is I know we're meeting on Thursday. Um, so what I'll do is I'll send an email over to you on Wednesday uh, just to confirm the call. And I have a couple more resources that you can check out in the meantime. Um, could you go ahead and just respond to that email when you get it so I know that we're good to go? Cool. So that's your cold call. So intro, hook, and close. So I know we shared like a lot of information on that today. Um, and there's a lot to this. So um, I would I would recommend like kind of maybe listening back to some of these areas and like getting it like a little bit more of like a visual of it and like creating some graphs and, and diagrams and things like that. Um, and I've also done this for you. So one of the things that you could do if you're wanting more help with like the messaging structure is you could also check out our reply method guide. So if you're wanting to know like, hey, what do I fill into those voicemails? Like when someone asks me like, hey, what do, what do you guys do? How do I talk about what we do in a way that like they would actually care about in a cold call? I would check out the reply method and that's linked up into the show notes, just right on your phone. If you're listening to it on your phone, that should be right in the show notes. And if it's not, you could go to blissfulprospecting.com and rate one of the tabs there right at the top is called the reply method. So I, I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, thanks for checking out the episode today. Check out that reply method guide. There's tons more resources on our website if you want to continue following and get more resources on cold calling. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later.